DEI test with Eric and Brady. We've got uh, another fabulous guest today. Uh, we're going to talk about sports from a little bit different perspective with me as a photographer, Brady as a writer. Thanks for being here and enjoy the show. All right. Well, welcome back to the eye test. We've been, um, we've been a little inconsistent lately due to some scheduling conflicts and, and practice schedules. Spring and football. Baby. Spring football work and... So we've been a little inconsistent, but we'll get back on track here. I'm glad to have everybody here. It's just it's just gonna be Brady and I today. We had to reschedule yet another guest, and we decided that, well, mostly I decided that I was tired of freaking waiting, and and keep pushing it off. So let's get one in here. Um, one thing we've been talking about today, or not just today, but lately, was, and I think you, both you and I had the same are getting the same read from, from practices down at Lincoln. And the way, cause I, I have friends that ask me, you know, what kind of vibe I'm getting from, from practices. And the only way I can describe it is it's very much a blue collar workman like attitude right now. Not like it's been in the past. We won't name other coaches, um, but there's none of, there's none of that music. Yeah, I mean, there's some, but it's not. If it's they not, play, if they played, it's like during warmups and stretching, not right. during the. Not, and yeah, but it, there's there's none of that. Um, how should we say? Fake it till you make it, cheer rah rah stuff going on. Yeah, it's fair. very business like, and as somebody who's covered the Huskers for a hot second, um, it feels very fa- very old and familiar. Yeah, that um, it's very it's very. I just want to say workmanlike, like they don't, they don't spend a lot of time patting each other on the back and hyping each other up. They just, well, like I say to my own son, just do the work. Yeah. Just do the work. Yeah. I, I mean, they get like, they get after them. They're a very energetic, but a very detail oriented coaching staff. I mean, like if a player doesn't do something textbook, they will, you know, point it out, have them do it again and point it, and like really coach them up to that point. But again, if, if somebody does it perfect to a T, you know, they're not rolling out the ticker tape parade for them. Right. They're, they just did their job, but they're also reassuring of like, hey, perfect, great job. You know, they're reinforcing the, the positivity when they do something right. And it, it is very... Doing something novel, like <gasps> coaching. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and, but yeah. It, and then they, you know, sometimes they'll even let their, to your point about workmanlike, they aren't afraid to let some of their personalities out. Like Evan Cooper and Garrett McGuire are very involved. Evan Cooper will be... You know, he'll kind of, it's like, oh, I'm out on one today. And like kind of John, he likes to kind of jaw at his guys a little right. bit, but it gets them involved. And also their defensive backs, they're going to get yapped at and talked right. at during a game. Well, having to do their own fair share. Of having your, game. having your coach do that for practice though, like to you. Right. I mean, that's got a, well, that's also how you build relationships. Exactly. And right. They, I mean, yeah. and they're, they're on the, they're on the, the fast track of building relationships. Like we need to, we need to bond with these guys quick. Yeah. Yeah. I know. And that was a big, uh, a focus point from the coaching staff this spring or I guess in winter workouts and everything because they knew we were going to coach them up hard but it's easy for guys to get coached hard and aggressive because what did Matt Rule say it's a comforting not coddling environment that they want to foster and it's it would be easy for some guys to say like you know they get difficult or hard coaching they say man this is I don't like this but again winter workouts and in the off season and off the field the coaching staff lets you know how much they care and how much like we're we're here to help you when there's siphons like, to blow. Yeah. Um very much that in that environment. And you know, as you know, I 
you know, probably sometimes talk about my own kids too much, but it's the best example I have for things, you know, with, with my youngest, who's a, who's a freshman now, you know, I told him going into high school and I've always told him that, um, don't worry and don't take it personal. If your coach is on your ass about doing it right, be worried when he's not. Yeah. Right. Because if, if they care, they're going to, they're going to set expectations. They're going to hold you to it but they're not going to expect anything from you that they don't think you can do. So if they stop setting high expectations for you, that's when you got a problem. Yeah. It's the silence that you should be worried about. Yeah. The day that coaches stop caring whether or not you give effort or not is the day you're done. Yeah. So always give the effort, you know, and, and as I've been thinking about this, you know, contrasting it um, against some of the previous coaching staffs, you know, the problem, the problem that I see with the, with the fake it till you make it attitude that, that kind of, that, 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 to me, that's what it felt like before. Like they were trying to make them believe it by, through the fake it till you make it attitude. Right. And the, the problem I have with that, and even in my own profession is that's all well and good until you don't make it. Yeah. Or you don't make it according to the, the time frame expectations you thought you should have, then you got, you have absolutely nothing to fall back on. Yeah. And, and I tell, I, I've never in my own profession and out there in the, the photography talk groups and all of that kind of stuff, uh, you hear a lot of people with the fake it till you make it attitude. And, and that's, you know, you just got to be careful with that because you, you have to remember that there are people out there who have made it or they know better. Yeah. And they know when they're here and fake. Yeah. 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 Right. Um, so I, I much prefer what I, what I suspect none of us know for sure because we're just kind of putting together bits and pieces of information, but it certainly feels like Matt is is really there's no fake it till you make it to him it is just do the work and and the results will come put your trust in the work and and the results will come and that you know that's uh that's my take on that i guess no well and it's i think it comes across in how matt because i reread one of his favorite books the world's greatest salesman by augmandino um i read yesterday do you have that quote memorized yet I don't have the full the whole full <laughs> block quote memorized, but it's only 110 pages, and those who are familiar with the book might recognize it. You know, it's the first I want to say 55, 60 pages are basically like an introduction, and the book is meant to be consumed in like three compartments, where you have the front, you reread that about like 40 days at a time, then you reread the the middle part 40 days gotcha. is how the author meant it to be done. But it's basically just self affirmation and like I will I will persist until I succeed. Uh, there's a long block quote, and for those who are familiar, um, even Evan Cooper likes it so much, he's got this quote in his Twitter bio still, the slaughterhouse of failure will not be my destiny. It's very, it's very that culture, like I'm going, like I will continue to grind, and every day will be a blessing. I will, any day that is not um, successful is not a day spent. He who do, he who fails or does not fail does not try kind of thing. Right. And at the root of it, that's the mentality. And I, I do 
I do tend to believe that there's no, there's no sense of fake it till you make it on this coaching staff. And because I think interacting with Matt a little bit, I, that's the sense I get from him. I also am not a big fake it till you make it guy. Like I'll, I'll go to like the outland and the Remington trophy ceremonies and things where like, l- let's be honest here. I'm from 42 County. Like I'm from Knuckles County. I don't get dressed up for nothing. You know, it's right. It, it, it takes a lot for me to get out of my boots or running shoes. And that I and I don't feel comfortable doing it. And when I'm there, you know, I've had people say, well, you know, just schmooze, fake it till you make it. I'm like, I, I don't really believe that because I, I'm a firm believer that above all, authenticity matters. It comes across in your work. It comes across in your life. You have to be authentic towards you, yourself, and others in order to be the, to build the, the best foundation of relationships, mm-hmm. you know, work, professional, personal, otherwise. And just in how you go about yourself. And I think that there's a, the fake it till you make it mantra is fundamentally built on, whilst it may be temporarily successful, I mean, it's it's just funda- fundamentally built on disingenuousness. But it's built on shaky ground, which yeah. I'll quickly touch on, but we're going to talk about this more in the summer as it gets closer. Yeah, yeah. But it's part of the reason that I personally think the Colorado Buffalo situation might have some minor success, but it's ultimately going to fail because you can't, you can't rah-rah your way to winning championships. Yeah. You're going to, it's going to have to be built on a solid foundation of something bigger than one person. Yeah. 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 One person and his son. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's especially at division one power five FBS football, that's, it takes so many key cogs and components, and everybody's got to everybody's got to have a common message that's that's bigger than bigger than one person, yeah. bigger than themselves. You have to have you have to have that bigger message. I was having conversations last night with my two boys about uh, social media stuff and 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 how to do all this stuff, and I was telling the older one who's also going to be jumping in doing podcasting and stuff like that you know that I, I i told him i said you need to go i gave him an assignment last night i said i want you to go home pour yourself a bourbon and i want you to sit down and i want you to ask to figure out two things i want you to figure out what your why is and your why can't be yeah it can't be to monetize it it can't be to build a client base it, it your why has to be something bigger than that and and two, to go write himself a mission statement. Because right? I've always found writing the mission statement, the, the mere process of doing that, forcing yourself to economize words. And if you, can, if you can't get your mission statement down to two sentences, it's too long. Yeah. Right? And that will help you clarify your... That mission statement will help you have, have a, your consistent message that whenever you want to try something or try something new... You can measure it against that and go, does that fit here? Right. And what we're talking about inside and I, what I wanted to talk a little bit more about, and as it pertains to what's going down in Lincoln and what goes on in our profession was, you know, how do you build that self-confidence in yourself and also in another group of people like a team? Yeah. Right. And how you build that and, and why that, that fake it till you make it is built on a shaky foundation. Um, I found this, this quote kept coming up in my, my social media feeds to the point that I, 
damn near had it memorized, but I did write it down. It's from some guy, I don't know who it is, some guy, Alex Hermosi, and it says, you don't become confident by shouting affirmations in the mirror, but by having a stack of undeniable truth that you are who you say you are, outwork your self-doubt. Right. And, and that hit with me because I've always, even though I didn't have words to it in my head, that's exactly like the tack that I've taken most of my career. Right. I mean, I can, I can, I can sit there and say that I'm the more, I'm awesome. I'm awesome. I can make all the pictures. I'm awesome. But you still have to like go out there and do it. And there's no confidence that goes along like this, this quote says to having like a stack of your foundation built on a stack of proof. Yeah. That yeah, yeah, yeah. that you can do this. You know, and the same thing goes for you and, and what you guys do on the word side. You know, you've done it over and over and over. So you know. Yeah. You can even walk into somewhere like, I don't know, recording a podcast on the Tuesday afternoon, not hundred percent sure what you were going to talk about, <laughs> but that you could come up with something. I don't know where you pulled that from. Right. And 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 make it, uh, make it great. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's one thing it kind of, kind of goes in line with that. It's be comfortable with being uncomfortable. I mean, I've, I, I spoke with, so I spoke with a, a couple of, uh, Bill Dolman's classes at UNL. I spoke with one last semester and I spoke with two this semester and, you know, aspiring young, not every, not everyone wanted to be a sports reporter, but they're in a sports journalism class. Some want to go into PR. Some just want to talk about sports. Some want to go to writing all that. And one thing that I, I, I feel like needs to get across is it's, there are days where it's tough, you know, it's undeniably, it's cool that we get to cover sports and we get to be a, a part of, of this grand scheme that, you know, all, so many people get enjoyment out of and it uses a relaxing thing, but it's, it's tough. It's, it's can be a grind. It, it can be taxing. Quite often it's a grind. And, and it's just. You know, and like with any other job or any other thing, there are some days where you're like, I just really don't want to do this. I just thing. really don't <laughs> want, yeah, it's a hundred degrees outside. I just really, really don't want to go sit on that turf. That's going to be 120. Yeah. But regardless of if it's, you know, a game or a practice or even just like a spot assignment shoot or like a little, a feature to do, you, you learn that, Hey, I'm going to get something out of this. I've, I've got to get up. The work's got to get done. It's farmer's mentality for me. Right. I mean, the chore's got to get done. I'm the only one here and it's five o'clock in the morning. Like, regardless of if I want to do it, it's got to get done. So I'm going to go do it. Yeah. And it's that, um, in terms of in what we do versus, uh, versus football, it's that, well, I mean, it's kind of the same mentality, I guess, but I, I was in those moments when I just really don't want to, I'm not feeling it today. I don't want to. Yeah. That I've always said in when I'm having conversations with other photographers, up and coming photographers or, or, you know, people trying to make the transition from, from part-time to full-time pro, the mark of the pro, I always say, show me the pictures that you made on the day you didn't want to be here. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That, that to me is the mark of a professional. I've been there, done that. There've been days when I just really didn't want to be there. Right. <laughs> yeah. Were you able to do, or, or the assignment was just like, yeah. Right. Yeah. You still able to do your job, do what was expected and maybe exceed it just a little bit on a day that you just didn't want to get off the couch. Yeah. 
You know, mm-hmm. that's the mark of a professional. It's not how much money you make or what kind of clients you have. It's what kind of work do you produce on your less than motivated days? Yeah, yeah. It, it, I don't know. There's so many times where, you, you know, I'm sure you're the same way. There's so many times for me that I'll go back in my head and think like, I, I'd i like to go back to this event or I, give me this story back. I'd like to write this a little bit different. There are just so many and like big feature story ideas that I had that I executed, but I wish like I could have, I, I wish I had the intelligence and experience I have now to go back and treat oh. those stories differently. Well, you're just you talking, yeah, you want to bring, you want to talk like that. That's just the, the nineties for me. <laughs> Can you imagine what I could do with today's skill set and knowledge in the nineties? Yeah. Are yeah. you kidding me? But at the same time, like you got to recognize that whatever you do tomorrow is probably going to be at least a little bit better than today, simply because you have more experience. You're teaching yourself every single day. And you, like for me, and I'm sure you're the same way looking at, at photographer's work or taking in all of, you know, photography content, I'm reading and reading other people's things, trying to take in as much as I can to better myself, or at least like funnel through, get the best writers, get people I look up to or things to to improve myself or tweak myself. How do I write about this? Or here's a story idea, or here's, here's an angle of a story or a new twist on something that, you know, could be done here at Nebraska, or it could be something worth looking into at Nebraska. Like these are things that I've, the professionalism of like going in and blue collar mentality of getting it done, working hard. It's, you don't have to think innovative, but like, if you just keep, you know, keep your shoulder down to the grindstone, you just keep going. And then the more you get used to it, the more you're in there, then like it unlocks new ideas. It unlocks just a new mentality of when you're there and in it, and in it, it's just, I don't know. You just, you get seized, you get calloused by the bad things, but you end up just like, you find out what you like and you, and you stick to it. Yep. Do more of that. It's like shooting tennis the other day. Yeah, how most, most people would go, would go, oh, you know, go and shoot tennis. Well, I mean, it was on the drive down there. It was a beautiful day, just like today. And it was, you know, we had some beautiful smoke sent to us from Kansas in the air that was going to make for an amazing sunset. Yeah. And by the time I got down there, I was like, my mindset was, I had, yeah, I had convinced myself by the time I had driven down there that that uh, I was going to make Brandon and quit and redes- redesign the magazine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. that's what happened. Wound up our I I I was telling Brandon on the to sidetrack just a little bit because you know I've talked about how um, you should sit in on our on our the photo, photo selection the photo calls. selection calls. Yeah. Our photo selection call yesterday was like an hour and a half. <laughs> All the rest of the photos, like the baseball and the softball and the and everything, that took us like ten minutes. Yeah. The rest of the time was trying to decide which tennis photos we were going to put in the magazine. <laughs> right, and it was like it took us an almost an hour to to choose what fo- which photos were going to go in the magazine. Mm. So mm. that was that's the wonderful problem to have. But I would I I found myself thinking, God. One, we should have been recording this. Yeah. It would have been great, like behind the scenes, how the donuts are made kind of kind of thing. And two, this would have been a great one for 
ready to sit in for part of it because want to for an hour but uh, was, there was there was there was a lot of and we had to get down into the minutiae and and make very intentional purposeful decisions on what we were doing and why we were doing it yeah. in fact the whole discussion started with a why like yeah. you know let's just figure out the why and then and then the decisions after that followed right it's kind of like a it's kind of like a tree, tree branches, right? You make this decision and then these other decisions are available to you, but these are not. Yeah. And so you, you kind of wander down that road and then you, you somehow you wind up, you wind up getting the, the task accomplished. But I'll just take that as, as a nice segue into the other thing that I wanted to talk about, which both of these concepts of the, the, the workmanlike farmer blue collar approach and the other thing that i think is super important is the why yeah right understanding your why i talk it's probably the thing i talk about the most when i'm talking to newer photographers and primarily younger photographers is understanding your why both on a macro and a micro scale like in a general sense why do you want to be a photographer and and it's got to be a little bit more than just I'm passionate about it, because the 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 passion and the fire is only going to carry you so far. Yeah, as far as I'm concerned, and that ties back into some of the other things. You got to have something a little more concrete. And personally, I believe it's got to be something external. Like it can't be I'm passionate about it and I want to make money. Yeah, first thing I tell you, if you want to make money, don't become a photographer. Promise you that. That's good advice. <laughs> I, I told Mitch that the, the whole, like and another sidetrack kid story is like sophomore year in high school. He, he, he applies for and gets, becomes the, the photo editor for the, for the student, for the student newspaper as a sophomore. Right. And so, you know, he, he gets like half a semester into that and he says, he comes home one day and he says, dad, this photojournalism thing's a lot of fun. And I didn't even let him finish the sentence. I looked at him and said, no, 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 no. Somebody's got to make money around here. If, <laughs> if you want to be underappreciated and underpaid, I'd rather you be a teacher. Than hey, you'd be doing something shout out worth. teachers out there. Yeah. I mean, you'd be doing something worthwhile in your life that way. I said, no, you are not going to go into photojournalism. So, and it was shortly after that, he picked up a video camera and blah, blah, blah. Now he's doing, doing great things and I don't have to worry about him. But he, he came to understand his why, you know, what's my driving purpose. And that's one thing that I think, and I'm going to roll this back into Lincoln real quick. I think Matt is supremely confident and comfortable with his why. Yeah. Why he gets out of bed in the morning is not, I, I would be willing to bet if you could sit down with him and ask him that his why is not football. Yeah, for sure. His why won't be because I love, because I'm passionate about football. His why will be because I'm passionate about these young men. I'm passionate about, about building them into better young men. I'm passionate about things external to, to himself and his own what he wants and desires. Yeah. 
I very much get that vibe from him. And I, you know, not knock on wood wherever there's some wood. I firmly believe that, you know, his success is going to be because of that. Yeah. Well, and it kind of already, I wouldn't say, it, I mean, it already has. I mean, he's, he had a really bounce around successful, I mean, somewhat successful, not financially successful assistant coaching spree. I mean, Albright College all the way around Western Carolina, moving around to Temple, New York Giants temporarily before going back to Temple and being a head coach. And he he kind of built some sustainability at Temple where it wasn't a whole-scale rebuild there, but he they haven't seen the same sort of results since he's been there. Baylor, I mean, it was... I don't think people understand how bad... Baylor could still be a laughingstock now. If Matt Rule did not do the the job, I that probably he did. would. It probably would have been another SMU. I mean, death set. He's it. The first season obviously was bad, but also they had like half of their scholarships available, like half players on scholarship available, and then within two years, you know, they're within a shoestring tackle making the playoff. I mean, it was it, remarkable. Things don't work out at the NFL level. That's fine. I could name you a dozen and for successful college coaches that don't work out in the NFL, but like he surrounds himself with the guys who feel the same way. He talked about if he wanted to just count his money, he would have taken the buyout from the Panthers and just like watch his kids grow up. Yep. But he wanted to be a part of like coaching young men and helping them along. Garrett McGuire today, when talking about, he even mentioned the, you know, my, my why I get to know my guys a little bit better because Marcus Washington has a one-year-old daughter and he got to like meet her and say like, okay, I understand Marcus a little bit more now because he's, He's, because of, he's struggling. Because he now he understands Marx's why. Exactly. Exactly. So they they all have a similar idea. They're all wanting to get to know. Eric, we'll open it up. What is your why? My why? Well, on a on a I'll start with 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 a micro level. Uh, like my why when I'm working for Hale Varsity Magazine, let's just grab that because um. That's mostly what we talk about. Uh, my why, when I pick up my cameras for Hell Varsity, is to capture images that say the things that Brady can't. Okay. In a way that Brady can't say them. Yeah. Right. And I, um, what was I was thinking? I was thinking. That's funny you asked it because I was thinking about kind of this very thing when I was driving around earlier and what popped into my head for some reason was an image I made two years ago at Washington, at, at Michigan state yep. um, of the punt return. Oh, the punt return. Right. And I, and I, I remember seeing it in the camera and I shot to the focus to the fans behind. The, I didn't shoot the runner. I focused to the fans. fans yeah. Right. And they were losing their minds. Right. Now, Brady could write, you could describe that picture. You could write the words to describe that picture, but I don't know that you could adequately put the words together. Maybe you're better than I think that would, that would give the gut punch that I feel when I see that picture. Yeah. I see that picture and I just feel a gut punch because that's what it was. It was like, game in her hands and they kicks the ball to the place where nobody is yeah coverage wise you know and that was a gut punch and 
And so when I get back to my why, that's that's kind of how I see my job at the magazine is to 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 make images of things in a way that provides kind of a a subtextual or subconscious under deeper understanding of what we're covering. You know, like I said, basically say something that that would be very difficult for Brady to say. Yeah. And I can say it in an instant. Yeah. And people put it up on their walls. We put it on, we put it, you know, double truck in the magazine. Right. But there, but there's a reason. So that's, that's my why is, is that, and that's kind of, that's my job is to provide some of the, the feeling to, to the magazine and to our subscribers and, and to all of that. It, it, it's easy enough with this, with as good as the cameras are now, I could, I could, I could really, I could, I could take you and in a year, you would be competent enough with the gear to make sports pictures. Maybe. No, 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 you could. I mean, how good they are is a relative thing, but you could make sports pictures because the gear is that good. I don't want to make sports pictures, which is ironic because I work at a sports magazine. Yeah. Right. I don't want to, I don't want to make sports pictures. I want to make timeless pictures that have feeling to them. Right. Which is part of the reason we had trouble with the tennis the other day because it was men's tennis and those guys are really intense. I didn't, we don't cover a lot of tennis, so I wasn't well-versed in those guys are really intense. They scream and yell after every point. Oh yeah. Every swing. Well, not that's the grunt. I'm talking about like every point they win. Oh yeah. yeah. There's a, I mean, there's a, an audible and visual. Yeah. Expression of winning that point, and they do it every point they win. So there was a lot of it, and I was pleasantly surprised because it was wonderful to shoot that kind of intensity. But that's what I was—I wasn't shooting. wasn't as much shooting tennis as I was shooting the competitors, yeah, and the shooting the competition. Yeah. Did I answer your question? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, that's a good why. Yeah, I, you know, it's it's and it it's to understand, understand your why, and 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 sometimes that why can be little things like, why? What's my why today versus my why, in general? Like my why today might be, ooh, I got a new bed. Yeah. Sometimes that's my why. Yeah. Ooh, I got a new camera, or ooh, I saw this other guy's picture and it made me think of a something else. That might be my why today. And that's enough. But you have to have a why. You can't just be picking up the cameras and going and shooting sports. Yeah, for sure. You get you gotta have to just have, just have a why is all I ask for people. And that ties back to into what I talk about all the time is having intention. What do you want to do? Why do you want to do it? Do more of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. For sure. Cause like for me personally, I think about my why in sports of like, I, the sports kind of are ancillary, but it's also important because I want to tell the stories of people, like actual people. I want to tell the stories about human beings and their involvement 
and their struggle, their triumphs and their tragedies. I want to tell the story of the grand human experience. And sports, magically, can really shed a light into people and society at large. This gives us a vehicle to look into people of all walks of life, ability, disability, you know, all all around the spectrum of humanity. This, you know, sports is a great, great vehicle for that. If you think about in history, some of the greatest socioeconomic or movements in humanity have a tangible, like, sporting event point to it. Jesse Owens, you know, Muhammad Ali. We have all, or even the miracle on ice, you know, to a, a lesser extent. We can all point, you know, we can point to it. And while. And they all have a picture in your head. And they all have a picture in my head. And that's what I'm thinking about. Um, actually, and while we're on it, actually, this might be a good. Um, there's one that sticks out in my brain uh, back from when I was covering Wyoming. I I was covering a cross country meet. I'm full, full disclosure here. I never ran cross country. I played football. So I really had no idea what I was doing in terms of like writing about cross country. But just before I left Lincoln for the first time, I kind of got on a, a health kick, fitness kick, and started running around Holmes Lake for a couple of months. And and then that kind of bumped me up. So one cross-country meet I'm covering, there, it's a big one. They've got G, the two JV races before it, before the two varsity races. And there was one that I noticed, um, Jackson, Jackson High, Jackson Hole, very great endurance athletes over there. I, I'll give you three guesses why, but you'll only need one. Um, they're outdoors a lot. And there's one group of them had like purple jerseys on and their colors aren't purple. They're orange and black team, but they had like purple pennies on over them. And I'm just kind of curious and I kind of watching them a little bit. And then, you know, the, the day kind of goes by. I'm not really like, I'm there trying to get ready for the varsity races and things like that. So I'm not like following them all the way, but I'm trying, you know, keeping an eye out if I see them come to find out that they had a blind runner on their team. So then I'm like, I, and I missed it, you know, but then they come back around for conference. So I'm reached out to the coach, playing things ahead. And like, I want to do a story on this because this is fascinating to me. So basically what I learned through my reporting and talking with them is, yeah, they've got um, a young girl who as I think she was like a, a year or a year younger, like, like fell and hits, you know, something that uh, made her lose like long-term vision of her eyesight or uh, she's very nearsighted. She's able to see even close proximities, but for intents and purposes of most society, she needs just help, you know, walking around. And it, she, but she wanted to compete. She wanted to be a part of sports because she wanted to have friends. She wanted to um, be out and about and have like, you know, your mm-hmm. stereotypical kid experience. And the coach in response said, okay, we're going to have every single one of our runners trained to a company, you know, trained to uh, to help her run around the courses, to help her walk around at school, all of that stuff. And one of them was like an all-state runner who was going to, I think she ended up running at Cornell, I think. Um, but then I, I, you know, talked with them and my story was basically like kind of, it, it works out because of the just the, the format, but was just describing it, describing the crunching of the leaf, describing the last hundred yards that she had where, you know, her, her guide kind of backs off and it's just her, you know, just running unencumbered in like what she is perceiving as she's running towards the finish line. 
She can hear the cries. She can hear the guidance. She can hear the cheers. She can hear, you know, her basically her blood pumping up, you know, from her heart through her neck up to her ears and brain and everything like that. And just like the, the, just the, the, the burning in the lungs, you know, as, as everything's going at that time. And I thought like, those are cool stories that I just, you can tell those otherwise, but it almost is set like ancillary if you don't have sports. Like sports is an avenue for things like that. With Nebraska football now, like there are great personable stories. Our annual yearbook is a really good example. We get personal, like people vested mm-hmm. interest stories. People are going to cheer for the Huskers, but if they've got a good feature, a good story on someone involved with the Huskers, like a standout, they say, well, now I like that guy more. Or you, under- you understand their individual. You understand their, their thing a little bit more. And it's so then it's not just I cheer for the Huskers. It's here are the people that are of the team, the team I cheer for. I like that. And then on a, on a smaller level now covering the Huskers and being the B guy, I want to tell all of that or the, the context and rationale for things to make better informed fans and better informed followers of it, which you can kind of bubble down in, into whatever, but it's all, you know, we're all people. We're all just here learning and doing all of that. And football, there's wins and losses, but they kind of come, you know, apart from the drive and the more important thing is getting to the work you know what i mean and i always did while you were telling your story i for some reason what popped into my head was the um, all my my 25 years of doing the college world series largely for the associated press where we kind of worked at as, as a team there was a number of us and we were in different spots but as teams would start getting eliminated over the years I always found myself over with people who were just, who just lost and were going home. Yeah. Right. And e- even after the, the championship thing, every other photographer was trying to get the celebration and I would go click, click, click. Okay. I freaking got it. And I'm over shooting the de- dejection and over years they, you know, everybody was like, you know, you know, there's Eric, the dejection guy. And somebody asked me one time, why do you spend so much time trying to shoot the dejection? And I said, well, for two, for a few reasons. One, um, as a, as, as a former coach at the time I was still coaching, I personally, I think the in the dejection uh, in a situation like that is where you see all the hard work. Yeah. A hundred percent. It's easy to, to to get wrapped up in the winners, the people who won, because it's easy to be the winner, right? If you want, I mean, it's not easy to get there, but right. it's easy to be the winner. Right. Once you've won, that's easy. Yeah. Right? That's, every, everybody wants to win. Everybody's going to be happy when they won. I want to look at the people who woke up this morning expecting to beat those guys, but now they're these guys. And on every one of those spaces is where I saw, you know, the early morning workouts and the, that's the summer in the heat. And the, uh, that's where I saw all of that. And, and then on top of that, I wanted to make sure that I could communicate that everything that I see in them in a respectful way. Yeah. Cause it, they're, they're all they're in a very vulnerable state and the emotions are raw and they're right there. And I'm not going to be that guy that walks up right in front of him with a wide angle lens to make the picture. 
So you got to work with the telephoto lens and it's a little harder yeah. to work that far away and work the angles, make a composition and make it, make it impactful. But you know, that was, that, that was, that was probably a period of time where I really started to figure out my own why as it pertained to sports photography. Yeah. In fact, you saying that brings up one, it was state wrestling one year. And I can't remember the young man's name. He's from Waverly. So apologies if you're out there. He was facing Ben Stilley in the championship match. And obviously everybody thinks Ben Stilley. I mean, he's signed, committed, going to the Huskers and everything. He's going to be a future NFLer. And I, I'd cover this kid from Waverly and like talked with him after his semifinal match and leading up to the final. And he felt good. You arrested on his training and everything. And then you, it was just, it was one of those instances where I'm like, sometimes, you know, talking to the kid who doesn't win might, it makes for a better story in my, sometimes in my opinion, because afterwards, you know, I'm, I get up there talking to Ben cause he won he's state champion. And you know, if you got three video cam, three mm-hmm. TV stations and people just trying to talk to him, like, let's talk to this Husker. When do you join the team kind of thing? And like, and then through the bowels of, at that time, I think it was the quest center. I don't know. It's the, whatever the chai whatever you want to go the the mocha over there by <laughs> by td ameritrade um and i i find that i find the kid from waverly and i'm like hey do you have time and he's like yeah hold on just give me and basically he had to go cry he had to like had to like right. air it out afterwards and then i kind of catch him as i'm walking back to my seat he's like you said time he's like yeah sure and i asked him he's just like i'm gonna go wrestle somewhere i just love this i can't imagine doing anything else i'm this this isn't the end for me. Like this is short of my goal, but I'm gonna go wrestle somewhere. See, so like you had this kid who basically had his whole future kind of planned out in mm-hmm. in gold, and then this other kid, Scrappy, definitely didn't look the same as Ben Silly. It's like I'm just gonna make it. I'm just gonna keep clawing to make it. And I thought that's just such a that's such a human story again, and it's just told through sports. It's just it's I don't know. And best of luck. I don't know whatever happened to that kid. I can't, again, I can't remember your name, but I really hope things worked out because that's really, it also takes a kid of pretty good maturity to say that mm-hmm. and to be like, it didn't work out this time, but this isn't the end of the story kind of thing. Yeah. And you got to think that a kid like that is probably, probably had a good college career. Yeah. Somewhere. Yeah. That's, you know? that's his Joker yeah. origin story for lack of a better term. Like that's the, that's, oh, shit. The, that's the calling card. That's the monolith. Right. All right. Did we wrap it all up? That is there anything else you wanted to touch on? Did you have a thought experiment, or is or is it, or did we have to throw this out too soon? <laughs> no. um, it's okay if you don't. Well, here's here's my thought experiment, and I guess this is more of a philosophical question. Do to the point of hard work and blue collar mentality, do you believe that there are preordained teams? or individuals to be successful? Preordained teams or individuals. Teams, I'll say no. As we know, as we've come to know in Husker land, the team is all going to, is dependent on the coach. Yeah. Right? Um, I don't think teams, I think teams reach a place where it becomes easier. Right? George is there now where their life is going to be a little bit, they get, you know, they could coast for a while if they wanted to the, still be successful. The wheels are self-sustaining. Right. Alabama, I mean, Nebraska in the 90s, 
when you get to that point, once you get that rock rolling, it's going to be really, it's going to be much less effort to keep it rolling. Individuals, I absolutely believe that certain people are wired for success more than others. Absolutely. And some of that is genetic. Some of it will be environmental as well. Yeah. Um, there's a reason that for years and most of our growing up, they went and found offensive linemen off of farms, right? It won. It was because they had functional strength yeah. and they had the bodies to do it. Cause if you were going to survive genetically across generations, you were going to survive, survive farm life. Probably were a bigger boy. Yeah. Right. And two, no big deal. But to that that environment, right? You were just you were raised to like the cows don't give a shit if you're sick. Yeah, they need to be milked and fed and right. Yeah. So there was that that workman mentality that came along that was required for a position like that. So there's a there's a reason. I absolutely think some, and I just think through some of my friends and some of the people in my life, some of them. I know people, and I'm sure you know people, that you look at them, do what they do, and you think it doesn't matter what they do. They could do anything, and they're going to be successful because they're just wired that way. Yes. You know, it doesn't matter if they wanted to go, if they wanted to, if they wanted to be a, a props designer in a theater, or they wanted to be an executive director at some organization they're going to freaking rock it because they're wired that way. Yeah. Now there's lots of other things that play into it, but to answer your question, I absolutely believe that, that some people are just wired better for success. I'm not sure I'm one of the people. <laughs> I question it from sometimes. So no, that makes sense. It, make, it makes sense why we respond. Well, Cause I think we have a similar, a similar, mentality on it yeah i i always i told my boys all the time when they, they were growing up and being athletes um because they're far better athletes than i ever was i told them listen i had to work three times as hard as everybody else just to be average yeah there were i played football with guys that just were born with immense amounts of physical ability yeah and i just had to outwork them to get my playing time to do what I loved, so, but I loved it that much that I was willing to do the work. Some of them didn't love it enough, and they squandered great physical gifts. Hopefully, they went on in life to, to do other things with them. But yeah, so that's my answer to that. What do you think on that one? It's kind of similar. Stick with me here. I'm going to get a little new agey because this is something I truly believe in. Um, to the point about stories and believing in people's stories, I think some things are written in the stars. I Like some individuals, teams, coincidences, whatever it may be, like there are certain, I don't want to say that they're already predetermined by the cosmos, but there are some stories and some teams, some individuals that stand out and and are almost set up for success. But I also firmly believe that destiny doesn't grant permission. You can't wait around and it picks you at that given time. You've got to go seize it. You've got to go chase it. You've got to grab it. Like, 
again, it's it's the the Red Sox. Good example, Red Sox won the World Series in 2004, and they break the curse of the Bambino and all of that. Team of destiny, seemingly, but they were down 3 nothing to the Yankees in the ALCS. And the fir- they win the first two in extra innings. That That's a team that just didn't give up. They kept clawing. It, it wasn't like they were just like, hey, this is our year, you know, come come give us our World Series. Like, they faced their rival head on, and they fell down 3 nothing, and no team across... Except I think it happened twice in the NHL, but in no other sport in America's major sports had any team ever come back from 3-0. And they did it to beat the Yankees, and then they swept the Cardinals because at that point, they, they were invincible. And they, but they knew that they had to finish it off. Same thing with like the, the Miracle on Ice. They beat the Russians to do all that. They had to go beat Finland that very next time. Yeah, and um, as, you were, as you were making your point, the first thing that popped into my mind was I remember telling everybody, and everybody looked at me like I was crazy. I said, I told her, but I said, UCF's going to beat Auburn. Yeah. No way. Not going to happen. They're out of their league. I said, no, no, no. This team has a, has a vibe around them. I don't think they believe you when you say that. Yeah. They don't believe that they can't play with Auburn. They don't believe it. Yeah. And I, 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 and I should have like laid my, my, uh, my entire worth on that game. Cause I would have gotten good odds but uh, <laughs> so that's no. my thought on that no I think that that pretty much that pretty much does again hard work blue collar mentality go up out there the the hardest thing is doing the work and if you keep doing it plugging away good things will happen what's that uh, we'll, we'll I'll end it with that other uh, quote and god now I can't remember who said it but uh, how's it go a man who understands his why can bear any how yeah, yeah, yeah. Now I'm gonna have to go look it up because that one, that one's one that always sticks in my head. If you understand your why, you can bear any anyhow. Yeah, that's going up on the Zanga and Tumblr pages tonight. All right, awesome. <laughs> All right, well, we'll end it there. You've been with Brady and Eric on the high test. Come back. We, I promise, we're gonna get more consistent with these, and we got some great guests lined up. We can get their schedules to gel with our schedules. You're gonna love it. So come back when you can. Take care. Heard at Sports Network Production.